Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It is the Robin Ludberg Show. Coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Whether you want to buy a home or refinance your current home, Rocket can. Speaking of home, Kyrie Irving will not be able to play in Brooklyn Nets home games as of now. <laughs> and this is a... Uh, an interesting story. I mean, apparently there was a change in the the policy where he can now practice because it's considered a private office, but he still can't play at home games. And Kevin Durant was asked about it last night after the the Nets played at home. And he said, um, you know, they want him there for everything. I, I think Durant might be getting a little fed up, even though, you know, he and Kyrie are friends. James Harden was, was in action last night. Patty Mills who they signed in the offseason is Kyrie Irving insurance in a sense because when, when Kyrie and uh, and Harden went down or were hobbled last year in the playoffs, they had to go to Mike James. They had to go to uh, Tyler Johnson as other guards. Now they, they've got Patty Mills. they got the rookie Cam Thomas. You know, then the Nets could not have Kyrie Irving and still win the championship. Uh, as far as Kyrie goes... The problem I have with him in this is this is not like an isolated incident. I don't even really think it's about the vaccine so much. Um, you know, everybody has their individual choice on whether they're going to take the vaccine. That's true. There are consequences to choices. I don't want to tell anybody, you know, I, I don't think anybody should be forced to have anything put into their body, uh, even if I would strongly suggest getting it is the way to go. But, like, you know, you had Jonathan Isaac of the Magic he explained why he's not getting the vaccine. And, and I appreciated that, like, because at least I, I understood where he was coming from. All right, I hear you. I understand where you're coming from. This is why you have that stance. Kyrie, he hasn't said anything. He hasn't said anything. And he doesn't have to say anything. Like he said, it's a quote-unquote, please respect my privacy uh, thing. But it would sure help his cause if he would articulate why he feels the way he feels to the point where he could be jeopardizing part of their season and could be um, losing millions and millions upon dollars himself. And then if I'm the Nets, I, I, I can't help but feel like if it's not this, it's going to be something else later. Because again, with Kyrie, this is not an isolated incident. You know, he, he just went AWOL last year and wasn't there. You know, his reputation precedes him. And the Nets have had his back at every step, every point in this. 
if I'm them, and again, to me, this is not so much about the vaccine other than, look, you can feel a certain way uh, about it, but the reality is, the reality is, by getting it, he's not putting himself at risk, right? Uh, And everybody else on his team has done it. And it's not the NBA's fault that the policy exists and the mandate exists in New York the way it does. If he was playing for another team, maybe it wouldn't be as big an issue. But he's not. And he's got teammates there. I mean, like I said, I, I can sense Kevin Durant growing more and more frustrated with it. I would tell him, get it or get out. Because, again, it's not just about this. If this was an isolated incident, nothing had ever happened before, maybe I feel differently. But Kyrie has, has proven himself to be unreliable from a team standpoint. And they have to make a decision on his contract extension. They just gave Durant one, and they're trying to work one out with Harden. I just, you know, at some point, I think the Nets have to put their foot down with Kyrie. And this would be that case because you can't have a player playing in half the games. It just, and the Nets can withstand it. And, you know, rubber needs to meet the road with the Kyrie situation. So if I'm the Nets, I tell them, you got a deadline. Unless they're working something out behind the scenes I don't know about, which could be the case, right? Like, I didn't know about this practice thing. I don't know everything. But from what I do know, I would tell them, get it or get out. Simple as that. And whether that's a trade or just sending him home. I, I, I wouldn't want this situation to be hovering over the team for the entire season. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. Let's go to Allen in Toronto. Allen, you're up next here on the Robin Lundberg Show. What's going on? Really looking forward to the heavyweight class tonight. You know, it's... Uh... It's a glamour division. Everybody likes big. They like big cars and big houses, big bank accounts, big breasted women. Every everybody likes big, so it is the most uh, glamorous division. And I'm always intrigued when two prominent uh, heavyweights clash, which is happening tonight. And my opinion is that uh, Wilder can only win by knockout. He can't win the fight on points. Tyson is uh, is too cunning, too stylish, and uh, you know he's too smart, and uh, he can fight. He can fight going backwards too. You know, he's a much better ring general. He's, he's uh, you know, I don't like him at all because he's way too cocky. Kind of reminds me of Prince Asim Hamad. And uh, it's um, Wilder has to throw caution to the wind. He has to come out with guns a blazing because he's not going to win his own points, like I said. And uh, Terry is, uh, I think he's going to win by unanimous decision. That's that's my forecast anyway, and uh, things could change. I think Wilder put on uh, put on the heavyweight because he wants to, uh, he put on the 20 pounds because he wants to have more TNT in his punches. Fury put on 20 pounds. Oh, it's, it's Fury to put on. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. And that, that could be a hindrance to him. That could be a handicap to him because he may not, uh, he may, be, may not be moving around as fast. But it's uh, it's going to be very intriguing. Fury is a, a slight favored, but uh, that's my prediction that he's uh, he's too smart. He's a very smart fighter. I can't stand him, like I said. But uh, the man he he knows what he's doing, and uh, I'm I'm giving him the uh, the benefit. Uh, no, I agree with that assessment. I mean, he's actually a fairly heavy favorite, uh, and and appreciate the call. Um, I think if Deontay Wilder wins the fight, it must be by knockout, one hundred percent. I think Tyson Fury could win the fight 
via knockout or via decision, depending, you know, on, on how it goes, but or stoppage, at least if it's not, you know, just a pure knockout. Um, so, yes, I, I you and I are in agreement when it comes to that. As far as the odds on it, though, I'm pretty sure Tyson Fury is a fairly heavy favorite. Um, he, he's minus 295 right now. And that's moved because he was minus 300 something before. Basically, money is coming in on Wilder because people like the return on Wilder, you know, getting three times your money, a little bit more than three times your money if you bet on, on Deontay Wilder. Uh, I think the smart play, the 20 pounds thing is the one thing that would worry me about betting with Fury. Like, it does make me a little hesitant. But otherwise, I would say the smart play is to wait until more money comes in on Wilder. And the line moves to um, a better position for the Fury bet and then to bet on Fury. That would be the way I would look at that if I'm betting on it, which I may. I don't know, though. I might just bet on it just because I want to, like, have extra, um, extra, uh, you know, motivation to watch, extra incentive when I'm watching. But I'm already kind of hyped about the fight, so I, I don't like to bet on things just to bet on them either. But my bet would be on Tyson Fury, but I would wait until more money comes in on Deontay Wilder to move that line. My only hesitation is Wilder's obviously going to be motivated. He was embarrassed the last time around. Uh, he has that, that knockout power. There's no question. And Fury put on 20 pounds. What does that mean? Does that mean he was not taking this as seriously? Does that mean you know that's a bad 20 pounds? That worries me. And I'm a little, like I said, I'm a little irritated with Fury because I was supposed to interview him on Thursday and he just blew me off. So that has nothing to do with the outcome of the fight. Just makes me less apt to, to bet on him. Frank in San Diego. Frank, you're up next here on the Robert Lundberg Show. What's going on? Hey, what's up, brother? What up? Hey, I'm, man, I'm, I'm kind of fed up with this. Uh, we live in this witch hunt type of society now where every little thing that people do, they're, you know, blasting it overboard and it's been this way for a long time i mean like you said urban meyer that whatever he did i mean he took a picture with a young chick of course he's the head coach man he's going to draw some notoriety does that mean he's sleeping with her does that mean he's you know fornicating and everything no his wife was there and you know he's having a good time well his wife was not there his wife was not i thought she was there i thought she was there i'm sorry i'm sorry but either way i mean when is when does this become a crime to take take a picture? I understand, you know, uh, uh, there are morals and everything out there, but well, look, I look just, I, you I, and I, I are not in complete disagreement. He did more than take a picture. Let's not pretend the only thing he did was take a picture. The the video is what caused this, but his wife has commented saying we're all sinners or something like that, and I, I don't think he should be fired over this in a in a vacuum. I, you and I are in agreement there. Right, I agree with that. And then, as far as Gruden goes, you know, yeah, yeah, he made a slip of the tongue. I don't, I don't, I don't think he's a racist. His body of work shows that he's not. But uh, he just has to. You have to be careful what you say with that, man. I, but, yeah, but that's know, more than. See, the Gruden thing to me is more than a slip of a tongue. He put that in an email. You know, like there's a difference between saying something off the cuff and then going, "Ooh, I shouldn't have said that." Oh, I'm sorry. And typing it out and hitting send to somebody in what you, you know, obviously assume is a private communication that no one else is going to see, right? Right. 
I, I agree with that, but I mean, you know, he look at the people that he works with every day around everything. You know, of course, I don't, I don't think he is. That's all I'm saying. I don't think, you know, he he made a tried to make a a, a bad joke. He was he was a PO at this guy, and um, you know, he, he he did something that he thought was private that people don't see, and you know, left the paper trail, man. But but you know what? You opened something up with Kyrie with me. Uh, you saying that you don't think it's it's really about the vaccine that it is. I disagree with you, man. I think that the NBA, the all NBA, NFL, everybody's they're dropping the hammer on, on this vaccine thing because, um, you know, it, it's it's starting to spread. And I know in the small, in the southern states and stuff like that, they're kind of still fighting it. But you know, well, you're gonna be an outcast. They're pretty, you're gonna pretty but, much be an outcast. Sure, be, sure. But the the thing with the NBA, the thing with Kyrie is that what's keeping him from playing at home is not the NBA. That's not an NBA policy. That's a New York City policy. So it's not even the NBA that has put that in place. That is that is New York City. Uh, that that just like San Francisco. That's why Andrew Wiggins, you know, was pressured into getting vaccinated. It wasn't the NBA does just like the NFL does make it tougher on unvaccinated players. But he would be able to play. If it were up to the NBA, this is a uh, a New York City thing. And the reason I say it's not about the vaccine with Kyrie is because it just feels like when it's not if it's not going to be this thing, it's going to be another thing with him. And the, the pattern that he has shown of something being an issue or, or not showing up for something. And so therefore, I don't think if this was one thing and it was his belief system or for whatever reason, he, he so strongly held conviction on this. And maybe he does, but he hasn't articulated that. I just, to me, it feels with him, it's just like this is another chapter in in the 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 saga of Kyrie. I agree, but he's such a great player, man. I oh, mean, no question. He, I mean, he's unbelievable. He's, 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 he's unbelievable. He's unbelievable, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so how far do you go? How much? How much? You know, leeway do you give the guy? I mean, none. I tell him, get it or get out. That's what wow. I do. Wow. I mean, because enough is enough. At some point, they have to put their foot down. They, they've they had his back at every turn. They've supported him over and over and over again. It can't keep happening. That's that, and, and that's knowing. Look, I would say that Kyrie Irving is the most skilled basketball player who ever lived. Just pure skill. I, I, I agree when, with that. I agree with that. <laughs> when you're talking about ball handling, shooting, footwork, you know, finishing, the combination of all those things, dude is brilliant. He's a genius on the court. But it's just a disruption. All the time, it's just it's it's exhausting, it's exhausting, and I don't know. Like I'm not in that locker room, so I, but I can just sense from Kevin Durant, and he's I feel like he's starting to feel the same way. Like get it or get out. That's what I would tell him. Because well, they, the they can't with, win. They can't win without him. They can't win. The Lakers are a beast out here. I don't and... think so. I I think the Nets are better than the Lakers even without Kyrie. Really? Yes. I yes. disagree I, with that. Man. I don't think the Lakers have that good a team. I don't think the Lakers have that good a team. Russell Westbrook has been traded like three times in three years. Like there's a you know he he there's a reason that keeps happening, and also the rest of that Lakers roster is not very good. You know they, they well, I don't think they have other than LeBron and Davis. I don't think they have five quality NBA starters on that team. But the if, Nets, but you still know, have, if, if, if if LeBron and Davis offset Harding and um, Harding and, and Durant. The rest of the team, I think, is better than that than that Brooklyn team. No, I disagree. I think the rest of the Nets roster is much better than the rest of the Lakers roster. Much better. Really? 
Yeah, really? much better. So you don't, yeah. you don't think Westbrook can run wild? Westbrook's going to run wild, man. I, I don't think so. No, I don't. Uh, I, I, and I think Russell Westbrook is at times a liability in the playoffs. I, I think I would take um, Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge, Joe Harris, Patty Mills, uh, so on and so forth, down uh, Bruce Brown. I think, I think the rest of that Nets roster is better than the, the rest of the, the Lakers roster. But I appreciate the call and, and the, the back and forth. J. Louie 26 tweets in, nothing bigger than Giants versus Dodgers division series game, no matter who's fighting. This is the playoff series we've all been waiting for. He's referencing me saying that the heavyweight fight was the biggest sporting event of the weekend. But we will get into the Major League Baseball playoffs coming up next. It's the Robin Lundberg Show here on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to The Robin Lundberg Show on CBS Sports Radio. Time to talk a little baseball action, and to do so, I'm joined by Doug Glanville, ESPN MLB analyst, DougGlanville.com. And, Doug, let's start with the the Houston Astros for a second. They lead that series with the White Sox two games to nothing, and, and obviously the Astros have been a talking point over the last several years since the sign-stealing and the trash can banging. But... I, I think um, considering, you know, what's taken place since and, and where they're at right now, have they done enough where they've sort of proven themselves, not that people will forget that, but proven themselves beyond that as, as the reason for their success? Well, unfortunately, from a historic standpoint, no. I think that it's just hard to ever really get away, um, get away from it. Uh, that's the challenge. And, you know, you think back to whether it's steroids or sign stealing or sticky stuff or, you know, the black socks from the, you know, early 1900s. Uh, so, but as an individual team, there was always a respect for how talented this group of players were. I mean, that's, that's the sort of unfortunate of it all because you know, when you think of players that may have taken, you know, PEDs later in their career or different, you know, they had ability. And what they did is they created this shroud of doubt over the authenticity of their ability, even though they may have known at some point they didn't take it and they were very successful. They might have been trying to defy age. So this is the same scenario. Now, Dusty Baker, obviously someone I've known a long time, I have great respect for. Uh, I think he was the probably only or certainly the right person out of the field to be able to shift the image a little bit. He understands how to embrace sort of the villain, but at the same time talk about forgiveness and how we can move on. And so, you know, it wasn't on his watch, and he came and really got them to believe in a different way and not to do it by any means necessary. So, you know, there will only be some level of being torn because, you know, they are talented. And, uh, but that doubt, even from PEDs, from when I played back in 1996, 7, 8, 9, uh, there's still that doubt around the game, and that's how, that's unfortunately about the selfish, selfishness of those types of decisions to cut corners. Because as my dad used to say, shortcuts lead to long cuts. Now, meanwhile, you, you've got the the series out west, the the Giants and the Dodgers. Logan Webb pitches a, a gem. Uh, Giants win that one uh, four to nothing. How do you see that series playing out um, with the Giants against the defending champs? Yeah, well, unfortunately, I'm always, uh, because of what I do, I'm always put in a position to have to make predictions. <laughs> and I can't say my tracker is necessarily great. But, uh, you know, but the standpoint is the Giants, first of all, you have the two top records in baseball. You have 1958 when they both moved and settled into California. Never played each other against each other in, in the postseason. So this is a, one of the iconic rivalries of baseball. And, and they're, you know, they're just great teams. And they both hit for power. They both have excellent pitching. 
Uh, the two storylines, you think of the Dodgers as, you know, the endless, they can just kind of print money and get talent. But at the same time, on the Giants side, you have guys that are 35 and up that have had career years all at the same time. That's unheard of. Uh, the projections, when you think of like Pakoda, which projects how many wins they would have, they were projected to have 75 wins. They have 107 wins and counting. So um, I, it's a great series. I, I think the, you know, I, I projected, predicted the Giants when I had to do the poll before the postseason, but clearly these to- teams can go toe-to-toe at any time. Robin Ludberg talking to Doug Glanville, ESPN MLB analyst, uh, DougGlanville.com as well. Now uh, let's uh, move over to the, the series between the, the Red Sox and the, the Rays. You know, it's an interesting that, that uh, Rose Arena stealing home the, the other day. What a play that was. But when, when the, you look at the Red Sox, this is the team that continues to sort of defy the expectations for this year. Yeah, they have. And, and you know, you mentioned the, the sign-stealing scandal. Alex Cora, Cora has sort of reinvigorated his career to get this opportunity again. He's always been a, a manager that people have responded to, Boston obviously winning the World Series years ago. And, and this is a team that has great offense. You know, they were second in Major League Baseball in slugging. Early on, they just were a dominant offensive force, and, and they showed it uh, last night. They just have tremendous offensive capability. The question was health, uh, the pitching staff which really hasn't recovered since a couple years ago when uh, they started to have innings issues before the pandemic and then the shortened season. So they're scrambling on the pitching side, but playing against a team like the Rays that neutralize pretty much every move you make. They're like a chess player that's like eight moves ahead of you. <laughs> that's how they play. And, and they did a great job of just jumping on early and not taking the foot off the accelerator. That's what their offense is capable of. But because of the fickle nature of offense, that's the challenge because the Rays play a, ba- a brand of baseball in aspects of the game that doesn't slump. <laughs> they, they just don't slump. They have you know, you, speed, base running decisions, a diversity of pitching, strategy. They have a very different style of play, and, and that's what's going to be sort of what's going toe-to-toe with respect to the Red Sox who, who really just kind of bash you. And the Red Sox got there. They they beat the Yankees, of course, in the wild card game. And and you know the Yankees are always maybe talked about more than any other team. What do you make of uh, the way I put it? Is I guess good isn't good enough because it's it's kind of funny to me that a team could be twenty two games over five hundred, uh, and and be talked about like it was some sort of disaster, right? And and they they lose that game. I, I look no further than Garrett Cole not getting to the third inning. He was supposed to be the guy that that put them over the top. But nevertheless, you know, in, in New York, you're you're hearing talk about you know that being the end for Aaron Boone or or even the end for for Brian Cashman. What are your thoughts on, on a, a takeaway like that for a team that maybe you know wasn't as good as as people thought it would be, but certainly wasn't bad. Yeah, that's you know that's the reality of of just managerial opportunity today. I mean, it's it's win. And unless they're structured in a way to say we're rebuilding and they're saying, okay, you can win 82 games and keep your job, then that's never the case in New York. <laughs> and so, you know, you, you, you need to win. And not, everything is always secondary to that. Um, but no question of someone who only made the playoffs once in 2003, it's really hard uh, to walk into a locker room in spring training and, and just say we're making it, we're winning it all. It's really difficult to be able to pull that off. Uh, Freddie Freeman was quoted the, the you know outstanding MVP of the Atlanta Braves. Uh, he said, you know, I always congratulate anybody who gets to first base on a hit you know, because this game is hard. I don't, he said, I don't care if it's in the postseason, and he's like against us. I just have to respect the difficulty of this game. It's it's really hard, and especially now when 
the, the analytics machinery is, is so based on real-time and acquisition of talent, it's, it's very difficult to repeat and to create that dynasty. Things go wrong, you, you know, you're not healthy. Uh, Dodgers are maybe the best team situated just because of their, their sort of ability, their wealth and ability to spend, and the fact that they have Andrew Friedman running this who came from Tampa. So he's a mix of having a lot of resources with very good understanding of like the, the nuances of analytics, but it's still very hard to repeat. What do you think of, you know, analytics always get brought up like it's the boogeyman or something. And, and just like in, in every sport, I would say that, uh, you know, anyone who's smart is using them to to guide you, but not ultimately as the only end-all be-all because there is the human element. But baseball, I, I guess, is a sport that has, has lent itself to analytics even more than other sports because it's there's such a large sample size given the the length of the season there each at bat is an individual instance right you have you know what happened on that specific play that you can uh you can get data from and, and then even as they go so far to like do things like uh you know exit velocity off off a off a, off the bat to to try and predict how someone might hit over the the long haul of a season. What are your thoughts as, as someone who obviously has been around the game for a long time in, in the prevailing notion of, of how analytics have, have infiltrated the sport and have, have been utilized? Well, I, I think it's somewhat unfair that the analytics is framed just sort of like you said in this like blanket term. Baseball and many, many sports, of course, have always had data at the center of you know, evaluating talent, projecting the future, figuring out what moves to make. It's always been center. It's just that as it's evolved, the data has become readily available for everybody to digest. Fans have been able to sort of make their own assessments with much more sophisticated information, uh, whether you're second-guessing a pitching move or whether you're deciding to have a fantasy team, whatever it may be. So, but baseball has always had a much closer relationship with data. It's the, the storytelling is in it. And I think you know the general concern, because baseball fans generally have a traditional outlook on it is how far you are getting away from your past and losing some of the best of the sport that sort of shaped how we got here. Uh, and that concern of the, the losing the memory for how you can connect the dots between Babe Ruth and you know, Aaron Judge. Uh, that, that's, that's what baseball loves. So you don't want to lose a soul in that. You recognize that it's important to still have, you know, have plays that excite you and, and that you can't necessarily quantify. So that's the tug of war, but every sport is battling that. I, I watched Last year, the Denver Nuggets were playing. They were down by two points. They had like a three-on-one breakaway. They could have just passed it and gotten the tie as clock time was running out. Well, they ended up setting up for a three-pointer, <laughs> and and then he got cut. Co- you know, I think it was Murray who got covered. He passed it across, and the guy backed up to the three-point line to take the final shot and missed, and they lost by two. Well, why did they do all that? Because analytics tell them that three points are are better than two, and if you make it 40% of the time. It's worth that shot when 50% in the paint. And that's, that's analytics. So, but baseball has a higher sort of expectation around data to not drown out the soul. And other sports have been, since the dawn of time, tried to figure out how to get an advantage and value. And when you have teams that have such inequity in terms of how much money they have and ability to, to acquire and procure talent, then you are going to run into teams that are going to try to find value under a rock. And that data now has become universally accepted as, how you can play winning baseball. And obviously I think all the smart organizations are using it to some degree. And then the players have to go out on the field and play Doug, uh, really appreciate the time and, and insight this morning. Have a good weekend, man. Absolutely. You too. You're listening to the Robin Lundberg show on CBS sports radio.
It is the Robert Lundberg Show here on CBS Sports Radio. What's up, BT? And we've been talking about a lot this morning on the show, including the Kyrie Irving situation, my take on that. I would tell him, get it or get out if I'm the Nets. And that has nothing to do with the vaccine. That has everything to do with the fact that Kyrie, if it's not this, it's going to be something else. He's kind of proven that. And the Nets have had him his back at every turn, and it's just not sustainable uh, for him to be missing home games. And, and I think you could see KD getting a little fed up with him in that situation. 855-212-4227. Also discuss the big fight tonight. Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder 3. I'm going Tyson Fury. I think, you know, most people are. He's, he's a relatively heavy favorite in this fight. He's the better boxer. But Deontay Wilder brings a certain level of punching power to the table that, you know, no matter what, that's always dangerous. He's also motivated. He lost that last fight. He was embarrassed. People mocked him about the costume. He got beat up in that fight. But, you know, his right hand, that lands, and it could be lights out at any time. Wilder has to win the fight by knockout. Fury could win it by stoppage. He could also win it by going the distance, I think, in that one. Um, we'll see. You know, 20 pounds is what Fury put on. That concerns me a little bit as far as the outcome of it, but I think you have to go with, with, with Tyson Fury. Urban Meyer and his situation from last weekend. You know, I, I would say that, that Meyer, it was embarrassing. But unless I'm playing Zapruder film with the, the video and, and figuring out everything he did with his hands or whatnot, to me that situation's between him and his wife. And as the, the head coach, it's not a good look, but I don't think it's the kind of thing he should get fired over by itself. Uh, but he has a track record, and, and it's fair to bring up his history of transgressions and, and just people generally don't like Urban Meyer, so they you know, are going to use that as ammunition against him. But I think he's on thin ice now in Jacksonville and, and anything else, and he's out of there. And then there's the John Gruden email, which, to be honest, when I saw last night was a little, uh, I was a little taken aback. I didn't, you know, expect to read that. Um, and I, you know, I didn't expect necessarily the reaction I would have because as I've been outlining throughout this show, I, I really don't like when things from people's past are just brought up and thrown in their face or their career has ended over something. And there's all these little mini controversies all the time that I think just like they, they create almost a boy who cried wolf situation because when you get mad over these little things, nobody's going to take you seriously over the big things. And, and I, I get tired of it. Like uh, Dave Chappelle said on his special, he didn't care that Twitter was making fun of him because Twitter's not a real place. And, and sometimes I think companies and organizations take Twitter too seriously. And again, what kind of unhealthy behavior is it to go digging up everything anybody's ever said? With that said, even though this was from 10 years ago, this John Gruden thing is a big deal. It just is, despite what I just said, despite how I generally feel. First of all, 10 years ago, John Gruden was 48. So we're not talking about a kid. Second, you know, the fact that he put it, the fact that he would say it at all, but put it in email, you know, reference it, calling DeMora Smith dumb, uh, the, the, the terminology he used to describe his lips 
in reference to a black man, of course, and, and we, we know the depictions of, of black men in, in American history and, and the stereotypes around nose and lips and, and the, the racial undertones that come with that. I mean, it's just it's not a good look. And the, the Raiders issued a statement immediately. The NFL issued a statement immediately. I could see this coming down to his players and how they feel. If they have his back, Gruden, Gruden could make it through this. But if the players feel a certain type of way, and I wouldn't blame them if they do, then I think John Gruden's out of there. I really do. I don't know if he can, you know, if the Raiders can keep him around after this. We'll see as it develops. But it, remember, this came out Friday evening. So if a lot of people are just finding out about it. It's gaining steam. It'll gain steam over the weekend. Um, and this is not a good situation for the Raiders. 855-212-4227. Let's go to Jeff in Dallas. Jeff, you're on the Robin Lundberg Show here on CBS Sports Radio. What's going on? Hey, boss. There's three quick points for you. I've been listening for several or a couple years now. And <clears throat> Kyrie Irving, every time I turn on a Saturday and Sunday, you're talking about Kyrie Irving. And I know because you're, you're talking about important things. But there's an old adage, no matter how good-looking a woman is, there's some guy sick of her crap. This guy just, you're 100% right. It just needs to, to go away. Take away his audience. He's using this COVID thing as to just fuel his, his weirdness and, and stuff like that. So he's causing that drama. Number two, Gruden. That, he, he should be done. He's, he's done. If they'd have been a player or somebody else, you know, a player, they would have cut the player. And Urban Meyer, the thing about Urban Meyer that bothers me the most is he was doing that misconduct. That's his own personal, you know, moral misconduct, whatever. I'm not going to judge that. But while he was doing that, his play, his team was on a plane coming back from getting shellacked again 0-4. So I don't know what's going on with these NFL coaches and Kyrie Irving. I'm 100% with you on this. He just just take away his audience. But somebody will sign him. And it's just going to continue. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm with you about Gruden. Urban Myers, that's between him and his wife. Weren't there allegations back in Utah and Florida about Urban Meyer and other situations? So now well, like, Urban Meyer has a – yes, Urban Meyer has a track record, Ohio State, Florida, everywhere, uh, where yeah. that – you know, it's the kind of thing that – he has the track record that makes you wonder why he gets hired in the first place. Since he's been in Jacksonville, he's done questionable things, including the strength coach thing, and you know you yeah. can throw the Tebow thing in this bucket, and now this. All I meant was if uh, that on its own I don't think is a fireable offense, but you no. know, he's getting to the point where people are going to be like, you, you can't keep hiring this guy or you can't keep keeping him around, you know, given the, the laundry yeah. list of stuff. Well, now it makes me go back to when the Urban Meyer thing came up. The first thing I thought of was that assistant coach, uh, ex-wife or wife allegation. It's like, oh, okay, so maybe there was a little bit something more to that. I mean, when you put yourself out there and do stupid things, every other transgression kind of comes back. And you, you would expect – we expect more of our players. You know, the players have to abide to a certain code. But, I mean, we got two examples of NFL head coaches that are just not doing smart things. And, I mean, I, I don't know. But they're right. supposed to be in leader, leadership positions, right? And, and I appreciate the call, as always, and, and you listening. Yeah, they're supposed to be in leadership positions. That's another aspect of it. That, you know, there's a different standard for a player 
and a coach, rightfully so, right? Um, and I'm I'm just curious. I can't wait to hear what the the not not that I can't wait to hear because the whole thing is not a fun story, but I'm interested to hear what the Raiders players have to say about John Gruden, because you know I felt a certain way reading what what he wrote in that email, you know, and obviously I'm a white guy and I'm not on the team, so I'll be interested to hear what you know players on that team of of all backgrounds, but uh, obviously you know especially the black players on the team how they'll react to what. Um, John Gruden wrote in that email. Let's go to Tyler in Dallas. Tyler, you're up next on the show. What's How going you on? doing, Robin? Thanks for taking my call. I called you earlier this season uh, before the Chargers game. Huge Dallas fan here. And I'm uh, calling this morning just because uh, what's been weighing on my mind recently this week has been the news about Jerry Jones and this whole moving the Rams to L.A. Um, he's building tons of stadiums for NFL teams. He's making tons of money with his construction company. And obviously there's this lawsuit with the uh, city of uh, St. Louis where they were before. I figured you would have a little bit more details about what rules he may have potentially broken or anything because the last thing we want is a distraction for Dallas. This is a good year we've got going. We're finally kicking it into gear. We're winning games. We look like we're recovering even when we've got people on the injury reserve list. You know, I want to keep that going. And the last thing I want is a distraction. I was wondering what you uh, what you've known about that or what you've heard. Well, look, uh, uh, unfortunately, I don't know too much about it, so I apologize in, in advance. I, I did see that his financial records could become public as part of that lawsuit. Um, and, and you, you know, with these guys, I would never doubt what they might have been trying to save on or what taxes they might not have been paying or, or what investments they might have been a part of. I can't speculate on that. I don't, I don't know Jerry Jones personally. Um, I, 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 I'm not sure. But – you know, I am skeptical generally of people uh, sometimes who get in that position and have that much money and, and w- <laughs> what might be going on behind closed doors. And, and a lot of times, I, you know, if you're going to tell them they could get their finances put out there or not, they're going to say not. But I, I don't have that hasn't been a story. And, and I apologize, but that's not been a story I've been watching particularly closely because it hasn't really reached the, the national purview as of yet, but that is, that is something I saw. And if you're a Cowboys fan, I get it because Jerry Jones is, is the face of that organization and the Dallas Cowboys look pretty damn good right now. Let's go to PJ in Virginia. PJ, you're up next on the show. What's up? Hey, happy days. Happy Saturday to you. So um, with the Urban Meyer thing, uh, I kind of knew, and I, I think a lot of people did, that he was going to be a kind of a questionable head coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars it was probably more likely going to go the route of like a Steve Spurrier kind of thing than like a Jimmy Johnson kind of thing. But even with that, and even with this dubious character, uh, this situation with him and the girl and everything, it's so cringeworthy that I I actually kind of feel bad for the guy and his family. Like um, I I take zero pleasure from it. It, It's something to where it's, I, I almost feel embarrassed for the guy. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, especially like his, his kids and his wife. Um, now, the, uh, the other thing with, uh, with Coach Gruden, so with John Gruden, I actually used to like him a lot, you know, back in the day. And what's interesting is this, is that what he said was, was pretty racist, you know. If he comes out and he's just very contrite and, and um, apologizes, he probably keeps his job, right? Now that he's trying to circle around and sort of, uh, I guess the term that people use is gaslight, like, you know, try to – turned the comment he made into saying it's like uh, the lips comment into turning it into like, well, 
I use the, the term of rubber lips when people laugh. I've never, you know, I'm, I'm 44 years old. I've never in my life, and I grew up in America. I'm, I'm Persian-American, but I grew up in America. I've never once heard anyone use rubber lips to describe anyone as lying, you know? I've heard somebody say, like, somebody's, like, loose with the truth, but I've never heard rubber lips. So that's the problem is that the not being contrite and trying to – you know, stand up and say, no, I, you know, it's not that bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, no, I mean, look, I hear you. I, I, I haven't heard that either. I would hope, like, I, I, I hope for the best and appreciate the call from people. I would like it to have not been what he said, but I think the problem is what he wrote in that email. That's the problem. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it gets any more complicated than that. You know, not just the insulting nature of it, but the, the loaded nature of what John Gruden put in that email. 855-212-4227. I'm not even sure they can send him out to coach tomorrow. 855-212-4227. We can continue to discuss that. But coming up next, I'll give you my NFL picks. It's the Robin Lundberg Show here on CBS Sports Radio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. <laughs> 